It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. The Adam Ritz Show on campus today at Huntington University. And we are broadcasting in front of this live studio audience. Very nice. Thank you so much. Huntington University, thank you so much for having the Adam Ritz Show. Uh, we travel the country to highlight student athletes and college students and their community service projects and how they give back to the world and to their communities. And we welcome now to the show Amy Schneider. She's a soccer player here at Huntington University. Let's talk sports real quick. Your soccer team's here. Cheer it up. Where are you at, soccer team? Okay. Uh, tell us about the soccer team real quick here at Huntington. Uh, well, they're a great group of girls. We have become a family now, so um, we're all about excellence and serving each other, servant leadership, so it should be a good year. Very nice, and I hear there's a couple projects you've been uh, a part of recently um, here on campus or around the area. Tell us about some of the things you guys do. Our first week back to campus actually went to Indianapolis, and we just had five days of service before preseason, so we were... Um, Doing local missions, doing construction, and helping out. Doing construction? Building well, houses? No, not balconies? Houses. <laughs> not balconies, not one by fours. Um, <laughs> no, we were cleaning up houses, painting, putting down floors, um, just anything we could do. Can I get on that list? I, you know, I got a couple bedrooms that need painted. Sure. Uh, who gets on that list? How'd you guys meet up with these uh, families in need that need this kind of stuff done? Uh, Coach had connections with his father in Indianapolis, so we paired up with the church, and they knew local people that needed help, so we filled that need. Now, I'm a big fan of food, and I hear there, there was a couple food initiatives as well. Food bank stuff, were you doing some food bank stuff? Yep, we helped with distribution and organizations like that. And that was at uh, the Gleaners Food Bank? Yes. And I don't want to steal your thunder, but was it called something like you made 12,000 meals? Is that what I heard? Yes. Okay, tell me about the 12,000 meals you guys made. It's Kids Against Hunger, and we just had assembly lines, and um, it's like scientifically proven meal packets that are sent across the world. So we got our 12,000 in about an hour and a half. Assembly line style. So what was your item that you put in the box? Some kind of vitamin mix. A vitamin mix? Yes. And uh, were there chips and salsa involved? I'm sorry, that's not a part of it. Well, Amy Schneider, uh, all the work you guys do, and not just for the soccer team here, but all the teams that are here tonight at this broadcast, we thank you for giving back to your communities and for your servant leadership, and we thank you so much for hosting the Adam Rich Show. Let's give yourselves one more round of applause. The Adam Rich Show. Fellowship, leadership, and philanthropy. Joining me now on the broadcast from Celebrity Cruises is Damian De Laurentiis. Hello, Damian. How are you? Great, Adam. Thanks for having me on the program. I'm uh, excited to talk to you uh, because, first of all, we're in the Caribbean. Uh, I love to get on cruise ships and talk to cruise directors like yourself uh, about the charities and benefits that you guys get involved with. It's not just about vacations and having fun. You guys actually give back to the community. We're going to get to that in a second. I want to make sure our listeners know uh, what a cruise director does. This is not a clipboard job like 
Julie on the Love Boat. We've been over this before with some of our previous interviews. You are actually an entertainer. I mean, you've got an incredible voice. You're on the microphone all day. Tell us what you do as a cruise director. Thanks. I appreciate that, Adam. Yeah, I'm, I'm the, basically the entertainment director of the, of the ship here. We're on board the Constellation, and we've got nine ships in the fleet. And on every one of the ships, there's somebody like me who does the exact same job, uh, planning the entertainment schedule, hosting the shows. Uh, we've got a number of live musicians on each ship, daytime activities, a youth program, a broadcast department. And uh, basically, it is our own in-house sort of entertainment machine that we have here uh, on board the ship. And it's a, it's a ton of fun, whether it's uh, hosting an activity, running down, changing your clothes, and then being on the stage or a cocktail party, a VIP event for people on the ship. It, it all happens here. Now, what do you mean by, you, you piqued my interest when you said a broad, the broadcast uh, part of the ship. What do you, uh, announcements, or is there like a, in, on, an onboard uh, radio station? Not an onboard radio station, unfortunately, but we have an onboard television production area. So what we do is we have a mix of TV channels. We get satellite channels to give people news from back home, which is uh, necessary. Uh, a little bit of sports as well. And then we have our own in-house stations, which can be used for both advertisements and, of course, uh, a daily TV show that myself and the activity manager do, giving people highlights of our activities program, entertainment. So when you wake up in the morning and you turn on your TV, hopefully you're going to see us talking about, you know, arriving in the port of call, what time we arrive, what time we leave, recommending shore excursions, talking about the big show that night, and uh, generally being uh, personalities. So it's, uh, it's very cool. And the people that work in the broadcast area, uh, it's an amazing job for them because, as, as, as you may know, if you work in broadcasting uh, outside the environment of a ship, you're usually doing one thing, but here they do it all. It's filming, it's editing, it's satellite tuning, uh, it's absolutely everything. So it's, it's, it's a really cool job. And you've been doing this for over a decade, you were telling me, on camera now, because I, I have seen that uh, in-room channel that you're on camera. You've got as much TV experience as anybody that's doing TV news uh, on the mainland. You ever think about getting into some TV news when this job's over? Uh, I would love to, actually. Yeah, I'd love to be on television. I live in Canada, Toronto, Canada, so uh, we've got a lot of great stations up there, sports networks and whatnot, so I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, I've been here for 14 years with Celebrity Cruises. Do you know a lot? i got to ask this question, yeah. uh, totally off topic, uh, about Canadian uh, broadcast rules. Uh, I had heard that every radio station in Canada has to play at least one Canadian artist per hour. Uh, Brian Adams, Ann Murray, they have to sneak somebody in there uh, outside of the, you know, the, the Kanye's and the uh, Katy Perry's and, you know, the Taylor Swift's. They got to sneak in some Brian Adams. It's 100% true, Adam. Is that true? It's true. It's, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's one song an hour, but it's, uh, it's called CanCon, Canadian content. And uh, <laughs> classic rock, classic rock's big in Canada. Triumph. As you know, well, there's a perfect example. I love Triumph. If, you're, if your tastes sway towards Triumph and Neil Young and Rush and, uh, uh, well, Lighthouse and April. Loverboy. Loverboy, April Wine. <laughs> and you've got your dial tuned to classic rock. Chances are you're going to hear a lot more of that than you would outside of Canada. Oh, that is uh, the CanCon rule. I love that that's a, a truth. I'd always heard that uh, rumor. And, and I can't remember what the percent is. It's not one song an hour, but it's... Uh, it, it's up there. Okay. Well, that's uh, some great broadcast history from Canada and aboard the ship, the Celebrity Constellation. And we're speaking with Damien De Laurentiis. He's the cruise director on the ship. And we'd like to sort of switch gears now and talk about some of the charity work you guys do, the, the benefits you do. Um, tell us what you do uh, around the holiday season. You were telling me off mic before about what you guys do around the holiday season. This is cool. 
Yeah, it's very cool. I mean, I mean, the company itself, Royal Caribbean International, on a corporate level, of course, is involved with many charities. But I can speak more about what we do on board the ship, which I think is amazing. Uh, around the holiday season, uh, every year what we do is we pick a port of call. Uh, as an example, if we're in the Caribbean, over the years I've had the chance to, to team up with some uh, really nice orphanages and charities in places like uh, the island of Antigua. We've done St. Lucia before, and then in Central America, two different ports, Puerto Limon and Punta Arenas in Costa Rica, and Colon in Panama, where we arrange with them to go out uh, just before just before Christmas, go out with a group of people. We bring our Santa, a lot of the crew members, a lot of the people that work with the kids, our youth staff, uh, myself, some of the musicians sometimes go out, and we, uh, we bring a lot of toys. You know, we usually get them in our home port, whether we're based in Florida or San Juan, Puerto Rico, you know, go to the big mall, get the toys, get them up, wrap them up, and then we take them and have a great day with uh, these orphanages and charities and these ports of call. Uh, and this, this past summer, I was over in Northern Europe, so we had a great chance with just out of the initiative of some of our crew members on board who happened to be, we had a, a clown because we had a clown in our show. It was a, it was a circus style show. And uh, he decided, along with a guitarist who loved to really just loved to perform, uh, that they were going to find another charity or uh, an orphanage uh, orphanage in uh, St. Petersburg, Russia. We had one in Tallinn, Estonia. These guys took it upon themselves, went out, performed for the kids, and uh, made a really cool day of it. Uh, and, of course, within our sort of crew community, uh, obviously we have crew members, as you've seen, we have crew members from 61 nationalities here on board the ship. They're from all over the world. And some of these countries uh, now and again, unfortunately, get affected by natural disasters, be it floods, hurricanes, typhoons. Uh, an example being in the Philippines about three years ago, they had a big typhoon, which uh, caused a lot of damage. A lot of our crew members come from the Philippines. So we have a drive. We do uh, charitable donations to the Philippines. And, the, you know, it's one of these scenarios where the company matches it and they really look out for people. So it's, it's a great experience. You mentioned the clown. i got to go back to the clown. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you said twice. He took it upon himself, and he's the one that decided to go out and find the orphanage and perform for those kids. He did it? Yeah, he did. His name's Andrew Scharf, and uh, he is, uh, he's a brilliant uh, clown, physical comedian. He went to clown college, and uh, I couldn't really describe the nature of the show that he was in, but it was, you know, he was sort of the, the, the thread that binds the whole show together with his physical comedy. And, uh, you know, he's an amazing juggler. Uh, he does a crazy yo-yo, like the next level of yo-yo uh, act. And, uh, he, yeah, he, he found them, and he went out and did it. Well, I'm impressed that th this wasn't uh, necessarily uh, part of the, uh, hey, this is what we're going to do today. And at a port of call, as a, as a staff member, you get a free day here or there. You get to go out and have some lunch or do some touristy stuff yourself as an employee. I've seen the signs, get back on the ship by 515. <laughs> um, and he took it upon himself on his day off to go do this. That's the kind of character we have on board here, the Celebrity Constellation. So uh, maybe I'll go to Clown College. I don't know. Yeah, it sounds exciting. I didn't know about Clown College until I met him. <laughs> but he's a really talented guy. He's an amazing guy. So as you book your next cruise, uh, no matter where you're going, whatever port of call, just know that you're getting involved with some good people because they like to give back, whether it's natural disasters, the holiday season, uh, orphanages, uh, children's hospitals. A lot of talent uh, is, is under this. Uh, or I guess above uh, the water here on the on the Celebrity Constellation. You give your talents back to the communities uh, that you serve, and we appreciate that. And it inspires us and our listeners to get up off our couch and help others too. So Damien DeLaurentis, thank you so much for joining us uh, on the show and uh, hosting this uh, broadcast on the Celebrity Constellation. Best of luck with everything you're doing. Adam, thank you so much. Pleasure to be on your show, and a uh, big shout-out to everybody out there from the high seas, leaving the port of Key West. It's been great to have you on. Hi, I'm Les Miles. I'm the head coach at LSU. 
you're listening to The Adam Ritz Show. The Adam Ritz Show is rolling on from Tulsa, Oklahoma. We're on the campus of Oral Roberts University, and we're with the athletic director, Mike Carter. Mike, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you, Adam. I uh, love these stories of inspiration, uh, faith-based campus, Christian campus here at Oral Roberts University, and that's not even why we bring you on the show to talk about inspiration and faith-based university sports. We're here to talk about your foundation work and a cause that's very close to your heart. It's the Scott Carter Foundation. Can you tell us uh, who Scott was and what this foundation is? Uh, Scott was our 13-year-old son that we lost to bone cancer. He was diagnosed when he was 11, lost a leg at 12, and Make-A-Wish came to him and asked if he'd like to uh, meet some famous people or go to Disney World. And he said, no, I've met a lot of famous people like Michael Jordan and Muhammad Ali and Barry Sanders and Garth Brooks and all of these wonderful people. And I go to Disney World a lot with my parents. Uh, So let's take my sports memorabilia collection. We'll put it in a truck and take it around the country, let people enjoy it. We'll take up donations and give the money to cancer research and find a cure for cancer. Well, the Make-A-Wish Foundation looked at him and said, we don't have that kind of money or manpower. But they also didn't realize that he had a collection that had over 400 items of the most high-profile athletes in the country. The vast majority of those are in the Hall of Fame in nearly every sport, from skating with Nancy Kerrigan to Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier to uh, all of the famous quarterbacks of the day, Montana, Aikman, all of them. So uh, we didn't have much of a choice. After Scott passed away, uh, he got to see his collection on display at the Tulsa State Fair, and we'd raised enough money to buy the truck. But our group of advisors said, you don't want the calls at 3 in the morning when the truck breaks down. Uh, we'll find a place to display the collection, and we'll have a golf tournament to raise the money to try to find a cure for cancer. So uh, after touring several bank lobbies in the state of Oklahoma with the collection, I wrote a letter to Reggie Williams, who was building the wide world of sports in Disney World, and said, you need a collection with a story behind it. And it wasn't four months later, they came and picked up the collection. So it's now on display at Disney's Wide World of Sports, the ESPN Wide World of Sports, where millions of kids are seeing it today. And uh, so that part of the dream is being realized. The other part of the dream, we formed the foundation, and we're getting ready to have our 22nd annual Scott Carter Heroes Golf Classic which has now become the biggest golf tournament in the state with over 70 teams. We have to have a 36-hole complex. And this year we expect to go over uh, the $2.5 million mark of money raised for children's cancer research. That is phenomenal. And that, um, to promote for our listeners, uh, is in the Tulsa, Oklahoma area. Right. And if uh, there's more information, anybody's in the Tulsa area that uh, that day and wants to play or even wants to go online and give money um, and fund uh, the research, they can go to uh, scottcarterfoundation.org. Scottcarterfoundation.org. Um, let's get the timing on this. When... Um, 
when did the sports memorabilia, when did Scott start collecting it? And it, I mean, he was 11 when he was diagnosed. Right. Um, how did he collect it? And um, what years was this? This started in about, he was diagnosed in February of 1991. Scott was not a great athlete. He played sports, but he was not a great athlete, but he loved to collect. And this is the time when Shaquille O'Neal was a rookie. And it was a really big deal if you could buy uh, some basketball cards and get a rookie card of Shaq. He'd go in and buy six little things of cards, little packs of cards, and he'd end up with two Shaq rookie cards. I mean, I just thought he was the luckiest kid in the world. And so he just got this, uh, this real knack for collecting. And really, the collection itself started on his first visit to the hospital for chemotherapy, Bill Russell, the Dodgers shortstop, was a dear family friend of ours. And so Bill gave Scott his 1988 World Series Dodgers jersey. And that hung over his bed in every uh, hospital visit. And so from there, we would find items at some charity collections, and people would hear about it, and they would send stuff. And Bill Glasson, who I'd known since his golf days here at ORU, had called me and said, I understand Scott has a collection. Can I help? And I said, well, it's interesting. Today he just got a Magic Johnson basketball, and he said, now what I need is a Wayne Gretzky hockey stick. And Bill said, no problem. We're represented by the same company. I think I can get it. Two weeks later, Bill pulls up in the driveway with his whole family and hops out with the Wayne Gretzky hockey stick. So it was people like that. A good friend of ours, Bo Mitchell in Denver, Colorado, was the chaplain for the Nuggets, so he was gathering basketballs and different stuff, Dikembe Mutombo shoes, and by the time this thing finished, we had items from every one of the players of the 92 Dream Team. We no had, kidding. Yes, in Scott's collection, we have jerseys from uh, Charles Barkley, David Robinson, and Chris Mullen. We have one of the Olympic shoes from Larry Bird, and then we have basketballs that are signed by Michael and Magic and Pippen, Malone, Stockton, all of them. Those were in one case. We had 12 cases of stuff that were seven feet tall, five feet wide. Just It, it was just a beautiful collection of stuff. And then we took it to Disney, and they kind of pared it down to six cases. But, I mean, this, it's just an unbelievable collection. And... People would help. We'd buy a few things here and there, and then friends would help, and that's how we got I mean, to 400. His, his story took over, word of mouth. Let's get this uh, collection as big as we can. I'm sure your background in athletics helped a little bit with uh, some of the people you knew uh, here in the state of Oklahoma. You were telling me he was involved with uh, the Oklahoma State University Cowboys basketball team, which now there's a, a little family connection with uh, former Cowboys coach Eddie Sutton, back then in the early 90s, he'd bring your son onto the onto the court as part of the team. It, yes. Uh, we were, they had given us uh, uh, tickets to come. He and Bill Self was his assistant at the time. And we were over trying to get into the wheelchair space one day and having trouble. And so Bill walked across the floor and said, well, just come over here, sit on the end of the bench. So Scott sat on the end of the bench at first and would go into the locker room with him at halftime, pregame, postgame. He just became part of the team. 
And I, there were times that he'd look at one of the guys like uh, Byron Houston and say, Byron, come on, you got to play harder than that. And all the guys would just laugh. And, I mean, he would get on guys constantly. <laughs> and they just loved him for it. And and so he became – he sat on the bench with them the, ne- the rest of that year and the next year. And uh, they gave him a warm-up suit that he was he was buried in when he died. But they were the honorary pallbearers at his funeral. And the story, when Scott died, the local newspaper here in Tulsa, the headline was Cowboys Lose Favorite Fan and Inspiration. And apparently uh, the editor of Reader's Digest reads three or 400 headlines a day looking for stories. And he called me and said, I want to come do a story on Scott about him and his relationship with the Cowboys. And he sent a writer down, Suzanne Chazen, and she interviewed the coaches and players in Stillwater first, then came to see us and said, this is going to be a great story. And I said, well, I would hope so. I mean, they were so nice to him. She said, no, you don't get it. And I said, well, what do I not get? I took him over there every time. I said, no, I didn't get through a single interview without them tearing up. That's how much Scott meant to them. And I mean, I'd like to hit the floor at that point. Well, the article finally came out in the February 95 issue of Reader's Digest. It won uh, the National Dove Award, then won another award. Then it was reprinted in the third serving of Chicken Soup for the Soul. And so through all of that exposure and through the, I mean, they did articles about Scott here I mean, it just, it went on and on. And one of the real special stories is that that team that were freshmen when Scott sat on the bench was Big Country, right? Big Country Reeves. Big, uh, big Reeves. Yeah, yeah big, big Country. Country. Big Country Reeves. They went to the uh, Final Four. And when they were at the Final Four, the players kept talking to the Seattle News about Scott's inspiration and how much they wanted to win this for Scott. Well, CBS called us and said, we're going to find you at the game and we're going to be filming you throughout the game because if Oklahoma State wins, the halftime piece for the national championship is going to be Scott's inspiration of the OSU team. Mm -hmm. Well, unfortunately, Oklahoma State got beat by Tyus Edney and Ed O'Bannon. And I guess Scott got replaced by a couple of people named John Wooden and Bill Clinton at halftime. <laughs> so not not bad runner-up, yeah. but, but I, I mean, Scott's story at that point would have gone nationwide sure. as if it hadn't already with Reader's Digest. But uh, his impact has just affected so many people. We often say that he touched more lives in 13 years than we will if we live to be 100. Oh, it sounds like it. And he passed away in 1993 at the age of 13. Uh, and I mentioned earlier that it's a family affair somewhat with former coach Eddie Sutton from Oklahoma State. His son, Scott Sutton, is one of your employees. He's the head men's basketball coach right here at Oral Roberts University. We're speaking with Oral Roberts University Athletic Director Mike Carter, and we're speaking about his son, Scott Carter, who passed away of uh, bone cancer and how much um, uh, he's meant to so many people with the Scott Carter Foundation, the golf outing, reaching $2 million in donations, um, the unbelievable sports memorabilia that's on display right now in Disney World at the ESPN Wide World of Sports. Out of that memorabilia, what was Scott's favorite piece and what is your favorite piece? Well, 
I think Scott's favorite piece uh, in one of the moves somewhere along the way, it was lost or stolen. But his favorite piece was a baseball card that on half of it, it was Nolan Ryan's seventh no-hitters, and on the other half of it was Ricky Henderson's stolen base record. And he was told repeatedly, you'll never get that signed by both guys, and he did. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, to have that oh, that man. one piece, I think that, of all things, he was mo- most proud of that because it was an accomplishment. There, there can't be three of those floating around. Yeah. One of them is sitting somewhere that it shouldn't be, right. but but that's okay. I'll somebody, keep my eyes open. If somebody, I see it, I'm calling you. Somebody's enjoying it. <laughs> uh, as for me, it's, it's really hard because uh, we had a legends case that really meant a lot to me because the centerpiece of that case was a replica Mickey Mantle jersey. And we got to meet Mickey, and Scott and Mickey became buddies. Uh, but in that case, there is a Jerry West basketball, Gordie Howe hockey stick, uh, book signed by Ben Hogan and Byron Nelson, uh, a Richard Petty STP can and cap, um, 14 or 15 Hall of Famer baseballs, a Hank Aaron bat that was actually my bat when I was a little boy that I wow. sent to Mr. Aaron, and he signed it for us. Oh, my God. Uh, and the, the bottom row was was pretty special. It's a Pele jersey, a Walter Payton football, Ali and Frazier boxing gloves, and a Pennzoil can signed by Arnold Palmer. <laughs> uh, along along with the record album from Mercury Automobiles on how to play golf that they gave in 1963 to anyone who test drove a Mercury. And Arnold signed all of those things. So, I mean, that one case has got to be worth a fortune. And so I'd, I'd say of all of the cases, that that was probably my favorite. That is so interesting. Uh, we love catching up. Uh, with athletics and hearing stories like this. We haven't even talked to you about, you know, your faith-based uh, athletic department or leadership or community service that the uh, your Golden Eagles do here and around Tulsa. Uh, maybe we'll do that another time. Uh, Mike Harder has been our guest. And real quick for our listeners on how they can get involved, maybe find out more about that uh, display at Disney World or how they can donate through the golf outing and your foundation. It's scottcarterfoundation.org. And is everything on that website they need to know? Everything's there, and uh, including phone numbers. Okay. All right. Well, I uh, um, I love this type of stuff, and I golf. So uh, you know, I could come back and golf, and we'll do some more broadcasting and interview some more people and promote the uh, foundation, and hopefully someday find a cure for uh, for children's cancer. Mike Carter, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Get socially technical with the Adam Ritz Show. Facebook Adam Ritz Show. Twitter at Adam Ritz. Get social technically. We're on the campus of Purdue University inside the Kappa Alpha chapter house and we're joined now by Josh David. Hi Josh, how are you? Pretty good, how are you? Pretty good. Thanks for having me in uh, in your chapter house. This is lovely. I love the paneling, the knotty pine. I feel like I'm in a, a 1968 boathouse. Is that how you feel here? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Like, what's 1968? When, when, <laughs> you, when you were born? 93. 93? We're getting so old. The kids are born now in the 90s. Oh, no. we got to check your ID to be on a, to drive a car now. Okay, anyway, back to Josh, David. Why are we here? We're talking to Josh about uh, the philanthropy and the community service that the Kappa Alpha chapter uh, does here on campus at Purdue. You are the philanthropy chairperson. Is that your title? Yes, I am. And how did, how did you get that title? Did you have to run for it, or just did they say, hey, Josh, this is the semester you have to do it? How did you get that title? 
Well, uh, we kind of have a little process where we talk to the number one and the head table, and then we are chosen by the best person who, who seems to be the best for the job. The number one is the president? Yeah, the president. And uh, you don't want to be number 500, do you? No, no. That's that's definitely not something you want to be. <laughs> so as philanthropist here, are you like the, you're the you're, are you number four? Uh, I don't really have a title. It's more of a committee. Um, so I'm just okay. kind of like the chairman of the head chairman of a committee. Is the vice president actually known as number two? Uh, yes. yes. All right. Okay. Two. No jokes. No jokes. Let's keep this above bar. Okay. <laughs> so Josh, David, tell us about your uh, philanthropies uh, here at. Um, Purdue with Kappa Alpha. I know your national headquarters works with MDA, the Muscular Dystrophy Association. Does that trickle down to the local level? Is that, is that who you work with here in uh, West Lafayette? Um, yeah, we help them out whenever we can. Um, I, I try to reach out to the local community more personally. Okay. But um, whenever we can help out the MDA with anything or raise awareness, then yeah, we try our best. Okay, then what do you do with the local community? Um, let's see. Like Recently, we did help out the MDA with... Uh, the Wiener Wars thing, and I don't know, that kind of tied in both because, I mean, it was really fun for us to go down and be part of this hot dog eating contest um, and uh, participate. We didn't win, unfortunately. We, I think we got in second. Um, but um, Okay, wait, 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 let me stop you there. Let's back up. It's called the Wiener Wars? Yeah, it was the Wiener Wars. It was put on by <laughs> okay. the, uh, the uh, local MDA, um, I guess, chapter of uh, Indy. And, um, yeah, it was just pretty much a hot dog eating contest with a local hot dog company. Okay. Yeah. Nothing was, wrong with that. Did you participate? Did you eat? Or did you just I, uh, contribute and oversee? I just, I just contributed and, uh, I don't know, kind of steered these everyone else in the right direction. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't be there, but um, I heard plenty of things from the guys that were there. Any world record set? The biggest guy in the house? Did he happen to manage to choke down 150 wieners? No, it wasn't that exciting, honestly. No? I think okay. the the total number was like eight or nine. That hey, that's still winner. that's great. Yeah, it's I, I mean, it's definitely impressive. I'm hungry right now. I can't sit down and just eat nine hot dogs. Yeah. Bun too, bun included. Oh yeah, bun was included. Okay, yeah. In that event, raised funding, money, awareness for the MDA, and uh, those are the kind of fun things we like to hear about. We know college kids, coast to coast, do the craziest stuff to raise money and raise awareness. So there's uh, your KA chapter at work with Wiener Wars. Uh, from Purdue University. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.